And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. And I'm Vince, and I'm here, well, we're missing one of the crew, but I'm here with most of the crew. I'm here with Stevie D, and I'm here with JB. Uh, Jay is on hiatus this week. I think I think he was a little worried, guys. Uh, you know, we're going to start talking some NFL football, and he knows we don't want to hear about those stinking Eagles. So I think he decided to jump ship this week uh, and probably come back when He's got some more ammunition. Guys, we're going to go over some projections, some 2020 projections. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. You know, at the end of, at the end of the show, guys, we're going to break out the official word sports, official projections. Don't hold us to it. Don't use this for any gambling purposes. Please don't because we're not responsible what happens after this show. But CBD, JB, give us a, some early thoughts on what this show is going to be like for you guys. Well, I wanted to say really, but if you win, if you wanted to donate off of those, you can donate. So, but if you lose, yeah, we're really not responsible. I yeah, we'll take charity. To- it's fine. Yeah. Donations, GoFundMe pages. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, I, th- I think we're going to start one up. All right, guys. Well, you know, let's just jump into it. I'll get us started. I'm going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, when you look at the Ravens team, first thing that stands out, Lamar Jackson, right? We've talked about him on past shows, and this is not going to be the last time that we're going to be talking about Lamar Jackson. We're talking about a Baltimore Ravens team that finished 14-2 and and won the NFC North for the second straight year. I, I think that number is a little inflated because, you know, Roethlisberger going down early in the season certainly had a, had a major impact. Uh, and then you have – what was going on between Cleveland and Cincinnati, you know, when you look at that, it just was the perfect recipe for a good season for the Ravens, a great season for the Ravens. Uh, Not to say that they wouldn't have finished in first in the division. Uh, When you look at it, they had 13 players named to the pro bowl. All right. That that's insane. That's unheard of, but guys, let me, let me break one stat early. And I don't want to make this a stat, a stat show, but this speaks volumes to where the league is. The Ravens rushed for 206 yards per game and threw for 201 yards. Can you imagine a team other than the Ravens having that type of, I want to say balance, but that kind of disparity between the rushing and passing? I mean, think about it. Go ahead, CBD. Well, I was going to say, is that in, in this new era of football, let's say the last 25 years of football, where really the passing game is kind of taken off, um, is that the first time a team that ha- averaged over 200, 200 yards a game passing was superseded by having more rushing yards? It, it has to be. And, you know, we, we need to have a stack guy that's part of our podcast, right, to look up some of these things. But think about it. Think of the the rushing quarterbacks that have been around in, in this passing era. You know, the ones that are so dominant, you you would think of like a Michael Vick. But Michael Vick used to throw Michael Vick used to throw the ball all over the place, right? The the run was just enhanced his play on the field. Same with Randall Cunningham, same thing, right? Never have I seen such disparity uh between the the run pass. Uh, numbers where you know actually the rushing yards exceed the passing yards but we'll see. also had they also Go had ahead. mark ingram back there right so you talk about past running quarterbacks but 
you know, Lamar Jackson was paired with a top-notch running back as well. Sure, and Mike Vick had Warwick Dunn, right? Who was a, a stud running back in his out in his own name. Yep. Um, but let if we look at the overall team, you, you have John Harbaugh, who, um, good coach, he is. But you you may hear some reservations in the voice. Good coach. Um, I think he gets the most out of his players. I, I'm surprised that they did so well after losing key leaders, in, you know, in back-to-back-to-back seasons, right? So you, you you had the loss of Terrell Suggs last year. You had the loss of Ed Reed a few years ago. You had the loss of um, Ray Lewis a few years prior to that. And, of course, you had the loss of Ozzie Newsom, right, as the general manager. You know, you're, those were key cocks, right? Everybody turned to Ozzy as like the father, right? The patriarch, if you will. And then Ray Lewis was just the general there, right? And maybe I have those roles reversed. Uh, but, you know, Ed Reed came up and, and instilling, you know, the mentality of what was going to be the Ravens locker room, the Ravens defense, the way the Ravens played. I didn't see that as much on that team and they still excelled. So maybe a lot of that goes to John Harbaugh. But I believe, especially as we were talking about the running game, really all credit goes to Greg Roman. And we've talked about it on this show uh, and previous shows, just how good of an offensive coordinator Greg Roman is, especially when it comes to a quarterback that is very athletic, mobile, uh, and is able to run the ball. I saw it firsthand uh, in, in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. He was also the offensive coordinator in San Francisco when they had Colin Kaepernick, right? So he's able to take that mobile quarterback and he's able to work that offensive scheme, that design to get the best out of that quarterback and to really excel. And, and so uh, coming in for you know the the next year, we'll see what happens. And probably this may, if they have another year like they did last year, this may be his last year as offensive coordinator because he could be slated for a head coaching job. It, it'll be interesting because uh, you know Steve Biscotti, the owner, Eric DaCosta, the the general manager, vice president, and general manager. You know they're going to have to really sharpen some pencils. They're going to have to really do some homework now. Um, as they try to keep this team going, because what happens when you when you're, you know, a leader? What happens when you're on top? Teams start picking players off of your roster. So we'll see. But when I guys, you know, as I continue to go down the Ravens, you know, just different things kind of stand out to me. I think that you know they had Gus Edwards to go along with Mark Ingram, but they brought in this kid from Ohio State, the guy I wanted. Oh, I had him on my board. No, no, you know, no diss to Zach Moss, but J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, I think is the perfect compliment back for Mark Ingram. And I don't think they're going to lose anything there. It's in the passing game still that I think that they're, they are lacking. And this is going to be a running team. And we've already talked about how you can slow them down. You have to be strong up the middle, no doubt, right? Uh, but when you're playing on the edge, you have to seal that edge. And as long as you seal that edge, now you're forcing Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. And, you know, okay, they have Marquise Brown, but everybody else does not scare me. The likes of Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay. 
those guys don't scare me down the field. You know, their tight ends actually were very productive for the Ravens, but you know, you can address that. You you can cover those tight ends, and as long as that defense plays solid, and we saw it happen, whether it be in the 49ers game, we saw it happen. Whether it be in the Bills game, we saw it happen. Whether it be in the Tennessee game in the playoffs, which they lost, we saw it happen. The blueprint is out on how to stop the Ravens. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a repeat. And, and let me just throw some stuff, some stats out for you guys. I mean, think about this. Offensively, they were number one in points for. They were number two in yards. They were number three in turnovers. I th- look, look at that. And, and those are turnovers given, right? So they held on to the ball. They were able to drive the ball up and down the field. And then when they when they did drive the ball up and down the field, they were putting points on the board. Insane numbers when you think about that. Uh, but when you look at in their passing, they were towards the bottom. Uh, they were number one in passing touchdowns. But, again, it's what these teams, what these defensive coordinators are doing. And now they've had a year or an offseason to evaluate and make changes. Defensively, they, they were good. No doubt about that, right? High rankings across the board on the defense, but I don't I don't see um, where the defense is at the level where it can maintain that consistency. They did they did get Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf, and yes, that's going to strengthen that front four. But you know, you still have weaknesses. I mean, it, I I truly believe uh, that they were a top five defense. They're they're going to drop a little. They'll still be a top 10, but I think they're going to drop a little. And when that when that happens and when teams play that offense the way that they should, you're looking at a team that goes from 14 and 2 to maybe 12 and 4, maybe 11 and 5. So it, it'll be very interesting. As I said, you know, when I looked at some of the past games that the Ravens had, what stands out to me, and of course, obviously being a homer, not gonna, not gonna deny that, but I remember that Bills game. The Bills played them tough all the way through that game. And I was worried, and then I started to watch how the Bills' defense was stepping up and how they were actually taking from what they saw the previous week. And if it wasn't for Marcus Peters, yes, Kansas City Chiefs fans, Marcus Peters, yes, Los Angeles Rams fans, Marcus Peters. If it wasn't for Marcus Peters making a great play uh, at the goal line in the final seconds of that game, John Brown was wide open. Josh Allen threw a dart, and, and Marcus Peters just had stayed in that hip pocket in that trail position and knocked the ball away at the at the goal line. So if it wasn't for that, you know, maybe we're talking thirteen and three. Maybe the whole the whole world's changed and everything changes because at that point, you know, not to segue from the Ravens to my Bills, but you know, maybe the Ravens are no not the. Uh, presumptive favorite going into the playoffs last year and now uh, going in this year. So guys, I, you know, again, a lot is to uh, be determined on the future of the Ravens in 2020. I just see them regressing and taking a step back and, and that goes in stark contrast to what all the media is talking about. I mean, it doesn't matter who you want to look at, whether it be sports illustrated, whether it be, you know, pro football, Focus, Pro Football Reference, you know, Fox and, uh, you know, all of them out there. Everybody is riding the jack of Lamar Jackson 
and they're riding the the jack of the Baltimore Ravens and, and having them go into the Super Bowl. I don't see it. Uh, I, I see them taking a step back. It's going to be really hard to reproduce those offensive numbers two years in a row. Um, I do think they're probably still the favorite to win the division, but I don't think it's – I think it's closer than people think it is. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I would absolutely agree. So let, let's uh, let's turn this over. And um, that that was my, my prediction on the Ravens, and we want to hit each team. So, JB, we gave you the Pittsburgh Steelers. So talk to us about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, sir. Uh, so the Steelers are coming off an 8-8 eight and eight season last year. Um, obviously disappointing, but considering that Big Ben went down right away and they basically did that with Mason Rudolph and whoever else they decided to put under center, um, I, I think they could really challenge the Ravens this year for that division. Um, it's really up to Big Ben's health. You know, does he come back? healthy and, and playing like the old Ben Roethlisberger, or does he take a step back? Um, anytime you've got Mike Tomlin coaching that football team, you know, their defense is going to be solid. Uh, you know, they've got TJ Watt back there. Um, they got, they got uh, Bud Dupree picked up uh, Mika Fitzpatrick uh, mid season last year. And boy, that guy, that guy's something else. He's just a stud back there. So, you know, their defense is going to be good. Um, they made some pretty good moves in the offseason on the offensive side. Uh, some that are kind of under the radar. Um, really, I think the biggest under the radar signing, and this does sound a little homer coming from a Chiefs fan, but but they pe- uh, picked up Stefan Wisniewski to help solidify that offensive line. Uh, the Chiefs picked him up mid-year last year, and he really solidified things for them on that line to help them go to the Super Bowl and win that thing. Um, and yeah, I got to throw that in there. Sorry. Um, but I think I think that's an underrated signing for them. Uh, James Connor's coming back. Juju's back. Um, their first pick in the draft, Chase Claypool. Uh, this kid out of Notre Dame, he's a big wide receiver, uh, almost like a tight end. He's going to be a great uh, kind of second option, maybe even third option uh, for Big Ben. Um, and they picked up Aaron Ebron, who's a huge upgrade at the tight end position over uh, Vance McDonald. I mean, Vance is, he he did what they asked him to do, but the dude's really like a fullback playing tight end. So they upgraded the tight end position really uh, with Ebron. And then this Chase Claypool kid, like I said, he can play at the wide receiver or tight end position with the size he has. Uh, So I'm actually really optimistic about the Steelers chances this year to, to at least give the Ravens a run for their money in the division. Um, I've got them at 11 and five. Uh, I've got them sweeping the Browns, sweeping the Bengals. Um, I just, I feel like they've got a real chance to do something this year. Yeah. I, you know, you said something in the middle of, of your take on the Steelers that I, I absolutely agree. And that's Mike Tomlin. I, you know, Mike Tomlin takes a lot of heat. And I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's justified. I think well, Mike Tomlin is one of the best head coaches in the NFL today. If there's anything that's shown how good of a head coach the guy is, it's the whole Antonio Brown fiasco. I Absolutely. mean, he dealt with that guy for years, and as soon as that guy leaves Pittsburgh, he just goes off the rails. And Belichick couldn't even control him. 
So that's, uh, that shows you yeah, how good uh, Tomlin was, right? But, right. And to add to that, I mean, then you lost the year before. You lost your starting running back who wanted to hold out and then had to deal with all of that during the season. Not only did he hold out for the whole year, is he going to come back in week two? Is it week four? Is it week six? Is it you know, right? And, and he and he wound up not coming back at all, and then they plugged in James Conner. So again, two years in a row, he he had major distractions uh, within that organization, and uh, still has that organization going going forward. Um, I, I love Mike Tomlin. I get everything about him. He takes accountability for his 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 uh, his moves as a head coach on the field at the end of the game. You know, he stands in front of that podium. If if he tried something that didn't work. He takes ownership of it. I, I just love the passion and the energy that he brings. He's so fiery. I, shoot, I, I, I would love to play for that guy, right? And I, I don't know what the heck I'm doing out there. So yeah, he's got he's got the ultimate trust and respect from the players. Uh, the Rooney family trusts him to do what he wants to do. Um, yeah, I think as long as as long as Tom wants the head coach there, they've got a chance. And, and I'll. I'll add one other thing because Stevie D, we we talk about this all the time when we talk about the Steelers. World-class organization, and it's exemplified by the way that they continue to handle Ryan Shazier. Just world-class. So uh, even though they're in the conference, I I have to give them kudos. I I mean, that that just speaks volumes. Yeah, and and another another, uh, free agent addition – that was kind of under the radar is bringing in uh, TJ Watts, little brother to play, to play fullback there. Um, blocking. The Watt, the Watt boys are like the Gronkowski yeah, boys. Huh? They really are. And blocking for Connor, you know, I, pairing him with Vance McDonald up there. I, th- I think they're just going to get back to old school Steelers football, man. They're going to pound the rock. They're going to play defense. And then Ben's going to hit Juju over the top every now and then. It's going to be interesting to watch. Indeed, indeed. So Stevie D, uh, let's put you up, and you're you're taking the Ohio team that can't win. Well, no, I guess there's two so, of them. There's so two of them, respect. right? <laughs> there's two of them. Wait, let's let's go to Marvin Lewis's old home stomping grounds, and the former. OC Hugh Jackson's former stopping grounds. <laughs> there he is. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Hugh has m- entered the building. Mention number one on today's podcast. <laughs> um, you know, everybody wants to talk Ravens to Steelers. I- I'm excited to talk Cincinnati Bengal football. Who's with me? Knock if you hear me. Knock if you're with me. Cincinnati Bengal football is back, led by Zach Taylor, second year head coach. Uh, first year was a little bit of a rough year at two and 14, but I like to say the Cincinnati Bengals showed some fight towards the end of last year and with some of that adversity they had during the season with, with you know, cha- trading off from Andy Dalton, Big Red. Um, and then now if you look at 2020, the outlook is so different in Cincinnati. And I, I really think the – I know everybody's kind of kind of laughed because people think of the Cincinnati Bungles, right? They don't think of the, the Bengals. But I don't think there's as much excitement – there's so much excitement right now. It kind of brings it back when they drafted Car- Carlson Palmer, right? Yeah, even though they drafted Andy Dalton, I don't think the fan base was as energized um, as they were when they drafted Carlson Palmer. Why? It's because they drafted number one this year, and they took Joe Burrow out of LSU. And I think there's so much excitement in the air in Cincinnati that they went with the number one pick with Joe Burrow, and then they paired him with, with T. Higgins out of Clemson and, and see what they're building there. They got a young quarterback with a 
young receiver, kind of energizing. You still got AJ Green there at, at wide receiver and such. So um, I think the outlook from a offensive standpoint with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, um, AJ Green, if he could stay healthy, right? That's the, the biggest key with AJ Green right now is they got him franchised here for, for one more year. Can they get something out of AJ Green this year? Maybe AJ Green will be energized with a, a new young quarterback and, and with T Higgins and, you know, Mixon and Joe, Joe Mixon there. Um, I'm loving, I'm loving kind of what Cincinnati's building towards. They're not ready yet. So I'm going to temper the expectations of what I expect out of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'll get into that here in a second. Um, and then, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you got, you know, Carlos Dunlap returning. You got Geno Atkins returning. That's a, probably about all I can really say on the defensive side of the ball of Cincinnati. Again, they were more towards the bottom of the league. I didn't see them make huge steps in the offseason with free agency, uh, with big-name players to come in and help that defense, although they were a, you know, they were really active in the in the free agent uh, signing period. They just they signed a bunch of – well, they did sign one guy. I don't know if you guys know this, but they I can't believe they got this guy. Mike Thomas, wide receiver. No, not that Mike Thomas that you're thinking down in New Orleans that goes by Michael Thomas. But um, they, they did they did sign Mike Thomas, uh, LaShawn Sims corner, uh, Von Bell, strong safety. So they, they kind of infused some folks there, some, some new blood, if you will, kind of get rid of some of the older guys that were there. I mean, key losses to the Cincinnati Bengals, which I think is going to hurt just a tad bit. Drake Kirkpatrick, longtime guy, often injured tight end. Tyler Eifert has, has departed as well. And then uh, middle linebacker Hardy Nickerson is no longer there. So um, hopefully, you know, with some of this new blood in, with some of these draft picks they had and and some of these, again, one-year deal free agents. They were big with the, with the uh, small contracts this year. Um, again, my, my prognosis here for the Cincinnati Bengals, they're going to play better but they're not good enough to compete with, with the big boys in the NFL. 2-14 in 2019, I see them really maybe one extra win this year, maybe two to get the 4-12. and 12. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. I think not having a true preseason for Joe Burrows where he can get game-ready reps for week one is just not there. And I think any rookie quarterback that's going to be thrust in to play week one the speed of the game for rookies. I mean, I think that's some of the biggest adjustments coming out of college football to the NFL is the speed of the game. You know, you can get away LSU. And yes, you're in, in the SEC and you play, you know, top-notch schools, but there's plenty of games you play against teams that are not so good. And and, and a ball that you throw downfield, sure, the safety can't get over because he's not fast enough. Or the guy coming on your, on your blind side is maybe two, two or three steps slower in college football than they are in the NFL. And, and so, you know, going through that progression in, in preseason game one all the way through through four, kind of seeing that, I think he gets off to a little bit of a rough start in the beginning of the season. But I think towards the end of the season, you'll see the Bengals playing better. Again, I don't think it's going to equate to too many wins for the Cincinnati Bengals, but I do like what they're trying to build down there in Cincinnati. Um, and, and perhaps maybe in, in 2022, um, you really kind of start seeing that 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 growth out of the Cincinnati Bengals. So my outlook is they're better than they were in 2019. They got some good young stars coming up in the in the in the Bengals organization. I'd like to see what Zach Taylor can do in, in year two. But again, I think it's just too too tall of an order in, in a division with the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns. 
Um, and I just, they're not ready to take flight, but that's kind of my insight guys. I, I don't know what, what you thought or what yeah. you think uh, where I'm headed here with the Cincinnati Bengals, but again, yes. good young talent, just not ready. DVD, you, you, you mentioned some, they have some pieces on offense, obviously. And you brought up one heck of a point there uh, with the climate and the way that the preseason and training camp is being handled. You know, that's a huge detriment for uh, Joe Burrow. Go Joe, right? That's what they said down in Baton Rouge. Um, it, because you, you have a rookie quarterback uh, who is not getting the reps, who's not getting uh, the the action that he needs to get to be prepared. And so now you've jettisoned Andy Dalton. So it's going to be Joe from day one. Uh, it, it's The learning curve is going to have to be accelerated in the game from college to pro. We all know, everybody knows, is a completely different game. That could have a, have a significant impact. And you mentioned Joe Mixon, who, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, Joe Mixon is one heck of a running back and unheralded because of where he plays, right? Not getting the the notoriety or not getting the touches all the time that he needs to get because they're, they're so far behind and they have to go to a passing game. But if they stay consistent with that run, he's going to be the best friend to Joe Burrow because it, as long as he's able to pound that rock and to keep him out of, you know, second and third and long situations where, you know, those defensive ends are coming after that rookie. They're, they're just smelling red meat out there. You know, if Joe can help him out like that, yeah, it, it could help him, uh, especially when they, you know, pass that first quarter of the season. Yeah, I think that, I think they kept AJ Green around for some, that similar reason too, to be a nice security blanket there for the young kid. There was a lot of interest in the offseason in A.J. Green for other teams, and they could have easily traded him, gotten something for him to help build for the future because clearly they're not in win-now mode. But, you know, uh, but did I do you... think it was important to keep that guy around for a veteran presence for, for the young quarterback. J.B., they were asking a king's ransom for A.J. Green. Well, it, because they didn't really want to get rid of him, but if you give him the right price, they will. Okay, fair you enough. You know, that's, that's kind of what – you know, when you're asking – for a guy who was injured the entire season and you ask a King's ransom, it's because yeah, there's a price for everything, right? We're willing to listen, but you're going to have to give us a bunch to do it. I, I just thought that that was the same old bangles, right? The bungles. Uh, but you know, to your point, you know, maybe that's what exactly what it was is they did not want to give up on him. Um, and you know, by the fact that they didn't want to give up uh, on AJ green, they said, if you want them, just like Jamal Adams, give me two number ones and give me all this, right? And team teams balked at it. And I would. You got an aging wide receiver who now is just not healthy. You know, you you don't know what the foot is going to be like. So good point. Good point there. Well, Stevie D, thank you for that. And uh, I think we can let all of our betting fans know that the Bengals will not be contending for the AFC North <laughs> Division. I think we know that. But if you want to do a futures bet, I think you, you, you've you hit out some points there. So normally, guys, we'd say, hey, Jay, what do you have on the Cleveland Browns? But uh, our, our our partner in crime has, uh, has forsaken us this week. So, guys, why don't we just make this a free-for-all and kind of talk about the Cleveland Browns? 
Well, that makes sense. I mean, the organization seems like a free for all. So, ooh, little rim it's shot kind of there. It's kind of fitting, right? Well, you know, because Hugh Jackson kind of really. You know, oh, there he here. is. But mention number two. Ding, ding, ding. We need a little. We need a little Hugh Jackson counter on this show. <laughs> we do. Little tally. Oh, we love you, Hugh. You know, Hugh. If you ever want to come on the show. You know, to try to save your name, please do, because you know it's going to be a long season talking about Hugh Jackson. And you know, I Stevie D, we got to find that clip. <laughs> we got to find the clip. You know which one I'm talking about. I do. Oh, oh, tell them former head coaches. You know, when you sit in this seat, uh, excuse me, I already did there, buddy. All right, let let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. It, when when you talk about the Cleveland Browns, the first thing you talk about is. Miles Garrett, uh, Miles Garrett, you know, Cleveland exercised that fifth year option and then they re-signed Miles Garrett. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because the way that everything went down and if, if people forget, there was the incident when they were playing the Steelers late in the game. Um, and what happened, you know, it, it, it's up for debate, up for, um, you know, interpretation. But uh, there was some activity that was going on after Mason Rudolph uh, threw a screen pass. And next thing you know, a helmet comes flying off. A knee goes in a place that a knee shouldn't go. And, you know, you know the proverbial all hell broke loose. And when that happened, Miles Garrett found, Miles Garrett found himself on the wrong side of Roger Goodell's uh, iron fist. And he was done. And you you weren't sure if he was going to be able to recover, but obviously uh, the Browns have extreme confidence in Miles Garrett uh, as being the leader of that defense. And it's interesting enough, we're talking defense first for a team that has a bunch of number ones and a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, highly profiled offensive players. Go ahead, JB. I think you were. No, I was just I was just gonna agree that yeah, I mean Miles Garrett, with the exception of that one incident, he's a great player. Um and they better hope he's a great player for the for the King's ransom they handed him, you know, um to lead that defense. Yeah, no I, doubt. I, I just look at you know, you guys already handled the Miles Garrett thing, but I, I look up and down this roster and I just see playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. Playmaker, they they got the jewel of the uh, free agency as far as offensive linemen and Jack Conklin to solidify the right tackle spot. I, I mean, they got studs and names all over the place, but it's the same problem in Cleveland. They just can't get out of their own way. You look at this roster and you put you put a Hall of Fame type head coach with these players, and they're going to win football games. I just don't know if the new coach. Can can get this team together with no preseason, right? He's a rook, you know, a new coach here in Cleveland, um, and I I just don't know. I'm not sold on him. I, I'm not sold on on Odell Beckham Jr. I I don't like him. Um, I just think teams that have him just don't win. Yeah, Stefanski's got his hands full. Thank you. I couldn't. No, I, no I, I don't want. I didn't want to say his last name because no, I didn't know he, how to pronounce it really well. So he's got his hand full for sure. And, and you know, it come, Baker Mayfield, man, it's like, can this guy play in the league at a high level? Um, 
he's not Stefanski's guy, so he's not tied to him. Right. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see. That's a great you know, how this plays out. Um, now, I will say they get Kareem Hunt for a full year to go along with Nick Chubb. Uh, if Kareem Hunt can get his head right, you know we've seen what he can do, what he's capable of doing in the past. Um, he, he was a mess last year mentally. Uh, I I would know. though JB I, I I would almost flip those two right and, and not talking about getting the head straight. You, Nick Chubb is the man for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, Kareem absolutely. Hunt is, is the you know that that's the icing, right? Because yeah, yeah. He, he gives you a little diversity. Yeah, that's why I said Kareem Hunt to go along with Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb is the one there. I don't think there's a doubt about that. But you know you got some thunder and lightning capabilities there with hunt um even though chubb's not exactly a slow guy either um he's got some burst but they, they've got talent up and down that roster it's it's up to stavansky to see if he can pull it all together and make something happen they do I mean, yeah i i, I think you can't, the the interesting thing i mean obviously we know about beckham we know about uh landry beckham stevie d you're right uh Beckham is, um, to me, he's a me player. He is a locker room killer because there's going to be a time in a season where he's going to do something. And it's going to be very interesting, especially, again, we keep talking about it, and you have to, in, in this new age, at least for 2020, of football, right, where you can't have some of those things that you used to do before i.e. you can't go hanging out at bars. You can't end up on a boat with a, a box of pizza that looks like, you know, it could be something other than pizza, uh, you know, something other than a topping out of pizza. You just can't do things like that. You you have to take care of your body. You have to take care of, of the team. And you have to be diligent enough to play the game, go work out, go home, Right. And the me guys, which Beckham is a me guy, potentially could derail anything that Cleveland had going on, right? He could be the guy that's out at the club, out at the strip club, out hanging out, being exposed. And I'm not saying that he will do that, but he's that type of player that would do that. Yeah. And they also added Austin Hooper. Um, nice, solid tight end. And he seems like he could maybe be one of those grounding uh, people in the locker room to kind of help keep this team grounded a little bit. Did he ground David and Joku though? Oh right? yeah. Cause, Cause now he did, he decided, you know what? I want to stay. So to your point, maybe he got with him, maybe he got in his ear and said, Hey kid, you know, this, this is a good place. I mean, Hooper's coming from, you know, an organization in the Falcons who, you know, they win a lot of games and they, they seem to do things the right way. So maybe he can bring that mentality into the locker room. Uh, with Absolutely. Cleveland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah my, my thing on Cleveland is you got to win some games on the field and, and they just, maybe this new coach can get out of it. I, I'm not, um, I don't, I don't see them as winning the division. Um, uh, maybe they can get to nine and seven. I just, you got to show me first. Uh, I just haven't seen enough winning out of this organization in a very long time to think that they're ready. Yeah, I've got like them that. seven and nine. 
I mean, nine and seven's a possibility. If they have a really good turnaround, maybe 10 and six, but you know, they, they could actually be, they could be one of the teams that benefits from the extended uh, expanded playoffs. Right, they may be able to sneak in with that additional wild card or something, but I don't see them winning the division. I, I personally, I don't see a lot for Cleveland. Um, you know, I I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield. Right, I I have to change my stance on him. I th- I thought that his mochismo, right, his just way to just command the field, especially when he was at Oklahoma. I thought that that was going to translate, come to the NFL, be able to take a down franchise and kind of lift them up. And maybe he did lift them up from being a four and twelve to a seven and nine that you guys are talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't see him taking him from that seven and nine to that ten and six or eleven and five. Um, see, and I was I was really surprised when they took him, uh, especially that high. Um, to me, he was just the second coming of Johnny Menzel. Uh, oh, attitude no, wise, no, just just no. the way they their behavior off the field, their their moxie on the field. They both seem like similar players to me, and they'd already made that mistake with Menzel. I was just surprised they went that direction again. I, I actually disagree with that uh, all, all the way around because Menzel. What I will give Baker credit for: Baker's not a party guy, right? Baker. Uh, on the field is a very cocky person like Manziel was, but Manziel, his cockiness was just, it, it, it had no merit behind it, right? He he was out there, you know, having a good time, would sit there running around, and thank God he had Mike Evans on that team because he would just heave the ball down the field and Mike Evans would just jump up and catch it, well, you know, back when they were at A&M. I, I, Manziel, it, to me, is... I guess, how do you rate A, B, C, D? You know, he he's F. You know, Baker, I, I think, is like a C-plus type player. I think he's got some talent, some abilities. I think he's got the the cockiness, um, but the abilities and the cockiness are not in, in, the, in alignment with each other. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that to an extent. I- to me, as a quarterback, you want someone that people look up to and respect to, and they do the right things on and off the field and handle the media well, which is an important part of being a good quarterback. I don't think Baker handles the media well at all. Um, he just comes hey, off hey, as, hey, as a JB, kid. JB, thank Sir. you. Thank you, because on our last podcast, that was one of the key parts of making up a quarterback. So thank you for taking that one. Yeah, for sure. I'm just trying to make you look good. <laughs> so, guys, where where do we have where you know where where does Cleveland fit in this list? Just above Cincinnati. That's I'm here at seven them. and nine. Yeah, that's where that's where I got them. All right. So, if we if we look at our overall if we look at our overall breakdown of the AFC North, right? Uh, we have a bunch of teams that don't like each other. <laughs> we have a bunch of teams that. Uh, just go uh, absolutely berserk when they play each other, even though Vontez Burfick is no longer in the division. But, uh, you know, we, we have seen this truly be a black and blue type division. Uh, at the end of the day, I see Baltimore regressing. I see Pittsburgh, they're getting a, a shot in the arm with Ben coming back, but I don't see Ben 
you're talking about a 17 year old or not 17 year old, but a 17 year veteran, right. A, you know, coming back uh, on a team that I don't think is when he was at his best or just before in the twilight of his best, uh, I don't see the same team around him. You know, you, you guys talked about some of the, some of the players that he has, whether it be a Juju Schuster or, or whether it be a Connor that he has there as far as his weapons. But, you know, that pales in comparison to when he had Brown and Bell. Not, not yeah, the I same makeup. I don't know that he has to be that that good. I mean, he's he's got to take a team that was led by Mason Rudolph that went 8-8 eight and eight and turn them into a 10 or 11-win team. And I don't I don't think he has to be that great to do that. But I, I don't I don't see Pittsburgh – I don't see Pittsburgh amping it up enough to really make a sustained push. Now you did bring up something that we didn't talk about and that's that additional playoff spot. So certainly that may help them in the, in the long term, And obviously Mike Tomlin. Um, but I think, I think they have enough to finish second in the division. I don't see them pushing Baltimore to take that top spot. Cleveland, you know, we talked about Cleveland, you know, Cleveland is, is locked in at third in Cincinnati uh, locked in and don't sleep because Stevie D you brought up a lot of good points. There could be a late run for the Bengals. Well, there, there, there could be a late run. Well, I, I think they're going to play better football as the season goes along. I mean, look, historically rookie quarterbacks have, and you look at some of the greats always didn't have great rookie years, right? You're going to go through those growing pains. And unfortunately he just doesn't have four preseason games to kind of learn of some of those growing pains early. So I think it's going to be extremely rough. And look, it's not like the Cincinnati Bengals has an all-star lineup in the offensive line either. Right. It's not like they riddle with studs where you can say Joe Burrow can sit back there and, and have four seconds to throw the ball. So uh, there's going to be growing pains. I just, I think by the end of the season, I think we'll start seeing some of that progress to kind of move them forward into 21. I, that's why I just look at them. I, I look at them as three and 13, four and 12. I just, I, I can't give them more than that. I just, I just don't sure. see it. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the, the first half of their schedule, the, ahead, hold on, the, the first half of their schedule is, is a beast for Cincinnati. Right. Um, they they open up at home with the Chargers. Um, it'll be, I guess, Tyrod Taylor will still be there at quarterback. So, you know, you chalked up as a loss. And then they have the Browns uh, on the road, the Eagles on the road, the Jags, which they potentially could do something there. Ravens, Colts. I mean, th- those are losses. I, it, it's, it's ugly early. But interesting enough, they, they have a front-loaded – uh, away schedule, which actually may be more beneficial for Joe Burrow than anything else, right? Because now when you come home and you have the fans behind you and now you're starting to get in sync, now the game's slowing down, potentially you may be able to do something, especially when you start talking about playing teams like the Washington football team <laughs> and the Giants and the Dolphins, you know, and, and some other teams in there. Well, that's an interesting point too, Vince. Uh, uh, I'm going to actually change what I was going to say. With the COVID stuff, we don't know how many fans are going to be allowed in and when they're going to be allowed in. But it makes sense to think that the later in the year 
the more capacity we'll be able to have in the stadiums, right? So if they get those road games out of the way when you can't have full stadiums, come home and and possible increase in capacity could make a pretty good difference. I I mean, I don't know that it changes how they play on the field, but uh, it is interesting to get those away games out of the way. Um, But anyway, what I was going to say first was, was on the rookie quarterback topic. And when you think about rookie quarterbacks who have had success their first year, uh, like Russell Wilson comes to mind right off the bat, right? They had really solid teams around them. Yes. And he just doesn't have that right now. So, yeah, I agree. I kind of agree with your assessment, Stevie, on the, on the two and 14, you know, three and 13 kind of, kind of projection for the year. So that locks it in, Stevie D. You want, you, you want to gavel it in? We have Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Yeah, it looks good to me. We're locked, We're locked in, in, baby. We're locked and loaded. <laughs> Lock it All in. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Uh, of course, you can check us out at the website, officialwordsports.com. You can hit us up uh, on our Facebook page, Official Word Sports. Hit us up on Twitter, at Real OW Sports. And, of course, you can listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform. We're out there everywhere. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Slacker. Spotify and, and of course Anchor, uh, but you you can check us out. And we made our debut on YouTube, so you can check us out. Do a search for Official Word Sports, and you can check us out on YouTube. And so that's going to wrap it up. And for Stevie D, JB, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you soon.